Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, live from the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Drop on by and see us. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Gordon, college football is so very close. Two weeks from today will be game day for Utah and BYU, which is amazing. And it's cool that they play each other in the first game. I'm sure the coaches are utilizing that to keep the attention, to keep the intensity up through the camp. It's you know They're about to wrap up, uh, wrap up camps and then start going into prep mode. Yep. It's right around the corner, and let's talk to one of our very favorite college football guests. He hosts the show at uh, WFNZ in Charlotte. He's our good friend, Josh Parcell. What's going on, Josh? How are you, man? Good to talk to you guys. Been a long time. It has. Josh, are you a fan of having a rivalry game right out the gate? I am. I think it's awesome. I, I, I mean... It's better than playing some FCS school from the middle of nowhere. I, lo- I love having these big games to look forward to. You know, you guys were just talking about it before you brought me on. I mean, it gives something for the players to, to look forward to and kind of motivates them through the summer. I think it's awesome, especially for schools that have multiple rivals. You know, I mean, I, I think it's great to, to put one of them right out of the gate, especially a non-conference game, and, and get it going. Let's get the season kicked off with, with some heat, with some fire. Well, let's talk a little bit about that uh, that game and those teams. And we have some national stuff, of course, as usually we want to uh, get to with you, Josh. But give us your kind of initial thoughts on the Utes. Uh, some out there picking them top 10, uh, mainly in the teens. A lot of folks around here very optimistic about their chances this year. What are your thoughts on the Utes? I think in a pretty subpar division, Utah has the best chance to come out. Uh, I, I think they should go in as the favorite. Uh, they have, I think, more stability right now than just about any other team in that division. Uh, the only other team that I see right now in the, in the Pac-12 South that, that matches them from a talent and experience standpoint is USC. And we all know, you know, the talent really hasn't gotten it done at USC in quite a while. Uh, so I, I like what, you, what Utah brings back offensively. I thought they did a great job last year at navigating some of the injuries towards the end of the season. Uh, to me, I think that Utah would be the pick in the Pac-12 South. My only dark horse would be Arizona if Khalil Pate can get back to what he was two years ago. I mean, last year was just such a weird year for him. Uh, so I do like Arizona as a dark horse in the South. But right now, I've got Utah as the favorite to win that division. And, you know, Phil Steele picking them as, as his number one sleeper team uh, definitely put a lot of attention on the youth. Now they've got to live up to it. So I don't want to get ahead of any ourselves here in any way, shape, or form, but if the Utes really do win the South, and let's say they play Oregon or Washington in the uh, Pac-12 championship game, how impressive do they have to be in order to have an impact nationally? And by that, I think uh, you know what I mean. Playoffs. Yeah, uh, I mean, it obviously depends on, you know, what happens in some of the other leagues. I think right now the Pac-12 is fighting a perception that it's the weakest Power 5 conference. And if the youths are unbeaten, I have a hard time thinking they would be left out. I mean, they go undefeated, they're good. 
if they lose a game, which is more likely, I think at some point Utah will stumble. I don't, I don't think they're, they're so dominant <laughs> that they're going to run the table. Um, a one-loss Utah team, uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, you have to imagine Clemson is almost certainly going to get in as an undefeated team, even if they lose a game. They're going to be a team that gets in. The SEC is going to have their champion. And then you're talking about the Big Ten champ, the Big 12 champ, and the Pac-12 champ battling for three spots, not to mention potentially a second team from the SEC or Big Ten who could you know, be a one-loss team with a strong at-large bid. Those teams are going to play in deeper leagues. They're going to play against stronger uh, competition. They're going to have stronger schedules. Uh, so the best thing that Utah could hope for, honestly, is that one of those teams you just mentioned, you know, Oregon or, um, you know, Stanford potentially, obviously Washington, who, who should be the favorite in my eyes to win the conference, you, you got to hope one of those teams is unbeaten themselves because then that's a feather in the cap of Utah that might – push them over the top against one of those conference champions from the, you know, the Big 12 or Big 10. I, I do think an undefeated Utah gets in, obviously. One loss, I think the Pac-12's got an uphill battle with a one-loss champ right now just because of how watered down the league has been over the last few years. Let's talk about the perception of the Pac-12 a little bit, uh, Josh, and just to compare to the ACC, because you're there in ACC country, and you know I'm a, a Virginia Tech fan and, and follow that, that league closely, but the Pac-12 has, in my opinion, four legit teams in the north, at least one with Utah in the south, depending, uh, maybe two, depending on where you, you uh, view USC, but there is some depth to the Pac-12, despite its, its I guess, reputation nationally right now, and then you look at, at the ACC, and Clemson is unreal. There's no doubt about it. But the rest of the league, I mean, UVA was picked to win uh, a division, which is is just wild to me. But is is that perception of the Pac-12 fair, given the amount of good teams there are in the league? I think you bring up a great point. I think this season, I do think the Pac-12 could end up better than the ACC. Um, You know, last year... The ACC just, I think, gets the nod because of Clemson. I mean, we can't just discount them. I, I think you're absolutely right that the rest of the league, there isn't much difference between the Pac-12 a year ago. But the ACC does have this as a national champion, so it kind of elevates them, in, a, in, in my eyes at least. I think, you know, 2 through 12 uh, or 2 through 14 in the ACC's case, uh, the Pac-12 has a case. There just hasn't been a team at the top that has been able to challenge the big boys. I mean, we saw what happened to Washington when they've gone out you know, against Alabama a few years ago, it, it just wasn't even close. They've been outclassed against the upper echelon in, uh, you know, in the southeast. I think that's what's, what's hurting them right now. That wasn't an issue when Oregon was running the league, when USC was running the league back in, in the Pete Carroll days. They had a team that could compete and win a national title. As good as the Pac-12 might be this year, or I should say as improved as it is, is there a team that can actually – win when they get to the playoffs. I don't know if Washington's there. I do think they actually have a better roster now than they did when they made the playoff in 2016, I think it was. But they as you know, everybody wants to compare conferences and that's great. Nobody cares about 3 through 11, 3 through 12. They care about how good your team at the top is. That makes the rest of the league look a heck of a lot better. So, to your point, the Pac-12 might have the depth, but if they don't have the team at the top that can win a championship, it's going to hurt them from a national perception standpoint. I know, Josh, it's an impossible question to answer, but uh, you're a know-it-all. Let me, let, me, uh, let me fire it out there, and you take it from there. Will Urban Meyer be coaching the Trojans next season? 
I wouldn't bet against it, <laughs> Gordon. I, I really wouldn't. Uh, it just Clay Helton's in a really tough spot. Uh, I don't trust that team. I don't trust the quarterback position right now. Um, he's battling just so much instability in that athletic department. Um, I think he's a great guy. Uh, if Clay Helton were fired tomorrow, I don't think another Power Five school would hire him to be a head coach. And that's an indictment on, on him, uh, I hate to say it, but the USC should never be able to answer that question. They, they should never have a head coach that nobody else would hire <laughs> if he were available. So I'm betting on Clay Helton you know, being let go at the end of the year. I think he would have to make a Rose Bowl win the Pac-12 to really save his job. Uh, and if that's the case, I think Urban Meyer is sitting there right there waiting. He hasn't shut the door on it completely. And uh, it would be the same story over again that we saw when he left uh, Florida, sat out a year, and then got back into it at Ohio State. He'd be a great hire for them. I know that you know he left Ohio State in a bit of a disgraceful fashion, but the guys won a lot of football games, and, and right honestly, that's what USC needs right now. So I wouldn't bet against it. Uh, it would make a lot of sense. Josh, you also cover an NFL team, so I'd be curious to get your thoughts on Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert and his potential at the next level. Love the kid. A lot of talent. Um, That's not the question. Physically speaking, uh, he could have been the first quarterback off the board this year, uh, including Kyler Murray. Uh, He's got the the build that you want. Um, You just can't coach that. Uh, You know, this year's uh, quarterback crop is so talented. I mean, between Tua Tagovailoa, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason right there in his own division, you got a lot of quarterbacks who are all going to be jostling for, you know, top five and, and maybe even the number one draft pick. Uh, I think Herbert's got that. Uh, some of the people that I've talked to who, who have been close to him or been close to Oregon, they just have some questions about commitment, maturity, things like that. You know, that was really, at least from what I've heard, what drove him to come back to school was trying to answer some of those questions and is he a true leader and is he committed uh, to the position and being as great as he can be. The sky's the limit for him. Uh, I think I like Jacob Eason and Tua a little bit more. Uh, but, again, if it was this year's draft class and it were Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins, I think Justin Herbert could have had a chance to go number one overall. I know, Josh, you haven't studied these guys in depth, uh, but I'm curious to know from your vantage point, which of the in-state quarterbacks here in Utah do you think has the greatest chance to be great Jordan Love at Utah State, who has gotten quite a bit of attention. Uh, Tyler Huntley at Utah, or the young kid Zach Wilson down at BYU. You know, this may surprise some people. Maybe it won't. I don't really know what the what the temperature is out there. But Love from Utah State is terrific. I mean, he was so good last season, um, and and doesn't get nearly enough attention because of where he plays. But I think in that offense. Uh, he could put together a special season. Kind of, you know, maybe not the exact same player, but remember Jordan Lynch a few years ago at Northern Illinois really made some noise as a, as a Heisman finalist. Uh, his last year had a great career and kind of got the credit that he deserved uh, by the end of his career. I, I love what Love, <laughs> no pun intended, I love what Love has done at Utah State. And uh, he would be my pick. I like Huntley at Utah as well, but, man, Love is tremendous. You know, you're, you're right on the money there. I mean, Jake, I don't think you disagree, do you? No. Mm-mm. I mean, Jordan Love, I think he is getting uh, 
certainly getting attention from NFL scouts. Uh, that, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, they know they know this kid. They do, and I mean, like I said, he put together another year like he did last year, and he'll get a shot. And uh, hopefully, he's that kind of guy. Everyone loves like the, those beloved darlings, the like Byron Leftwiches, or you know, the like I said, the Jordan Lynches of the world, Ben Roethlisberger, the guys from the smaller schools that just put up wild video game stats. Those, those are the guys that make college football great. So I, I'm rooting for the kid. I hope he has another year like he did last season. All right, Josh, what is more likely, Clemson losing a game, because I'm looking at their non-conference, and Texas A&M will be interesting. Uh, Charlotte, you're going to get it up close. Uh, the, the 49ers are going to get a close look there uh, at Clemson. But what's more yep. likely, Clemson losing a game or Gordon winning a wet T-shirt contest? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Gordon, I haven't seen you lately, so I'm not sure. I, I've, at le- I've at least seen Trevor Lawrence. Um <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Clemson losing a game, um, and I'll tell you why. I'm, I, here, here's something to be very wary about with Clemson. Uh, there is no question they're the most talented team in the country, more so than Alabama. But think back to some of the other teams that have been in a similar spot to Clemson lately. Florida in 2009 won the national title the year before with Tebow. He came back. They were predicted by everybody to win it again. They were predicted to run through the SEC, and they did go undefeated, but they lost to uh, Alabama in the, Nas- or in the SEC championship game, played in the Sugar Bowl, didn't even make the national title game. Florida State won the national title in 2013 with a freshman quarterback, Jameis Winston. He comes back. They bring back almost everybody. Everyone picks them to win it all. They kind of are just sloppy all year long. They, they're nowhere close to what they were the year before. And then what happens? They get just absolutely pasted by Oregon in the Rose Bowl and really never belonged in the playoffs to begin with. The next season, Ohio State returned almost everybody. Thought they were one of the most dominant teams in college football history on paper. They were sloppy all year long. They nearly lost to Indiana. Northern Illinois gave them a game. They lose to Michigan State late in the season. They don't make it to the Big Ten Championship game, don't even make it back to the playoffs. Those are three of the most talented teams in college football who all won national titles and returned their quarterbacks. And on paper, it didn't look like they would lose, but they all did. So we can sit here today and think that there's no way Clemson loses a game. I wouldn't bet against them. (laughs) I certainly wouldn't. They're too good. But we've seen in college football, the biggest thing you battle with these young teenage kids is complacency and just making sure they stay focused every single week because they're going to get the best from every team they play. Wouldn't shock me if somebody that we weren't expecting steps up and knocks off Clemson. Clemson themselves have been upset a handful of times in the last few years. Josh, speaking of teams that uh, you know might come out of the blue a little bit, I want to circle back to the Utes. You said that Phil Steele uh, said that the Utes were kind of his sleeper team. Uh, would they be your sleeper team too, or is there another team out there that we're all overlooking that might come out of you know on a national level? Nowhere. That's a great question. Uh, I mean, I think that Utah is a sleeper in the sense that the schedule sets up nicely for them. Um, there's a chance that they can go on a nice run um, because of that, you know, like I mentioned before, the division. Um, so I, I guess they're a sleeper to me. I mean, anytime Phil Steele pictures a sleeper, you're almost not a sleeper anymore <laughs> because <laughs> all of a sudden people are paying attention. Um, I think a team that could surprise people – is Miami. 
And it all depends on the quarterback because Jaron Williams was just named the starter. Not a lot of people expected that. Most people had their eyes on Tate Martell, uh, who was more highly recruited out of high school. But if Jaron Williams can just give them passable play at quarterback, they've got talent on every other position on the roster to win 11, 12 games. They open the season with Florida in two weeks. And I don't know that they beat Florida. But look at the rest of their schedule and point to a game that they should lose. There isn't one. They get Virginia Tech at home. Uh, they don't draw Clemson from the other side. Florida State's still rebuilding. Um, Miami could very well go 11-1 and if they get good quarterback play. That's been their fatal flaw the last two seasons. If they had a talented quarterback, I mean, if they had love from Utah State, this team would probably be in the playoff one of the last two years, if not both. So uh, if Miami can get passable quarterback play, I think they could go 11-1 and and really surprise some people out of the ACC. One final question for you, Josh, uh, and it's in regard to BYU. They start the season out playing Utah, Tennessee, uh, Washington, and uh, USC. USC. What's the record after those four games? Man, that's a great one. I mean, I think Utah's a loss. Tennessee's a loss. USC probably a loss. I mean, that's, a t- that's a tough stretch. I think Tennessee is going to be one of the most improved teams in the country. Uh, I think Garantano in his third year as a starter is going to be really tough. Going to Knoxville, that's hard. I think BYU is staring at 0-4. I mean, I just think that that schedule is going to be brutal for them. Uh, the Utah game is at home, correct? Yes, and so is Washington and USC. The only road game was is going to Knoxville. I, yeah, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago where they opened with like Wisconsin and Boise State, and I think Nebraska, and we all thought that they, that they were going to go 0 four, and they ended up winning on a bunch of hail marys. Maybe they can, you know, catch lightning in a bottle twice, but that's a that's a tough road, man. I mean, that's I, I don't want to, you know, make it seem like I'm down on BYU, but there there are a lot of pretty good football teams that would have a trouble coming out of that schedule with more than a win. I think if they're two and two, that that's a huge accomplishment for that coaching staff. You said something there, Josh, that is we did, that Jake and I didn't really realize. You think Tennessee is coming out of the shoot, man? You think this is a year? Because what were they a year ago? Uh, I don't uh, know what they were. What were they five and seven, or were they? I want to say that's about right. I don't have it off the top of my head. They missed a bowl. But I do think that Jeremy Pruitt changed the culture at Tennessee. They, they had a huge culture problem when, when Butch Jones left. Jeremy Pruitt comes from Nick Saban's mold. I, don't, I think he's an incredibly underrated coach. Uh, and they've got stability at quarterback. I think they're going to surprise some people. I don't wow. think that they're going to win nine or ten games. But I do think that they're going to be a, a seven, eight win. That's a, that's a tough division. I mean, like Georgia and Florida are, are, are top ten teams. Georgia's a national title contender. South Carolina is damn good as a, as a team that could only win six or seven games. I had great teams could go eight and four in that conference. I think eight and four would be a huge step forward for Tennessee, considering where they were two years ago, which was an absolute abomination. Josh, as always, thank you so much for making a few minutes for us. We always look forward to it. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you guys down the road. All right, Josh. Thanks. Josh Parcell, uh, he does radio for WFNZ in Charlotte. Uh, He's right there near Tennessee. Yep. He he would know. That really stood out to me, too. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that was the game that we thought that BYU usually plays pretty well on the road against tougher opponents going into a big environment. If Tennessee is tough, hmm. 
They were 5-7 and seven last year. You were right about that. With losses to West Virginia, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. Losing to Vandy, 38-13 to 13 to wrap up the year. That's probably not terrific. Huh. Well, I, I don't know because a lot of us were sort of looking at that game as the game that uh, the Cougars might get. But if that uh, is the degree of difficulty has ratcheted up on that, I don't know. I've talked about the Cougars having a positive vibe in camp and there being some optimism whispered about with the coaching staff and others down there. They better be. Yeah. They better be better. Their wins last year were East Tennessee State, UTEP, Auburn. So that's a good win, 30-24 to 24 at Auburn. Uh Charlotte, the 49ers, who have to play Clemson this year, uh, they got a win there. And uh, Kentucky, which uh, at number two, or excuse me, at home against number 12, Kentucky. Remember, Kentucky was really good last mm-hmm. year, so that's that's a good win. All right. Well, uh, returning quarterback. You know, that, I mean, that's a big deal, and and it's a rehab project. When we look at this, what what BYU is up against? I mean, the Utes. This is a national program now. This is a national program. They are good. They are stock full of, of fine talent. And, uh, I mean, Kyle Whittingham is a terrific coach. I know there have been some struggles on the offensive side of the ball at times. But uh, Zach uh, Moss being back, I, and I, I just think they're going to be really, really good. So if that's what BYU has to deal with in week one. And then they got to go back to Knoxville to play a, a, a much improved Tennessee team. Then you come back home and you play SC. Now, Josh was down on the Trojans. But you and I know that that program, whether it's organized correctly or not, they have really good athletes in there that are capable of winning on any, ga- on any particular game day. And then, and then uh, Washington, we know what the Huskies did to the Cougars last year. We know there are different teams, and the Cougars are probably better, and the Huskies probably aren't quite as good. But I'm telling you, this the, the more I think about it, what Josh said there about Tennessee should frighten every BYU yep, fan. I agree. All right, we're live here at the Warehouse. We can talk a little college football uh, going forward with the show. We've got some NBA to get to as well. But uh, our good friend Tom from the Warehouse is joining us, 1967 South, 300 West. We're blowing minds today, Tom. I'm stuck on what Gordon just said. I'm usually stuck on on most things Gordon says. (laughs) Yeah, my wife is. Scare BYU. Isn't that all the, for lack of better words, garbage that – People were saying BYU is going to go to Wisconsin last year and they're going to get killed. Yeah, well, I was one of them. Including, yeah. yeah. So don't you think it's motivation for BYU to go and do the same thing at Tennessee that they did at Wisconsin? Absolutely. So it doesn't the pro- scare the, pro- the problem is that what they got surrounded with that particular game. I mean, the Utes and Washington and SC. Uh, they, they said the same thing last year. Who, who, who was BYU's? First four games last year, well, they were Arizona. They beat Arizona and Wisconsin, and lost to Cal. And then their fourth game was like McNeese State or something like yeah. that. It was a like a layup, and they won yeah. two out of those games. So, and and yeah. had a shot. And everybody thought they'd Cal. get beat at Arizona. Yeah, everybody thought they'd get destroyed at Wisconsin. So you never know. I'm positive. I think everybody in Utah is going to have a good season this year. Well, well I'll tell you, so. they're positive down in Provo. They think they're going to be better than most people think they're going to be. I hope so. 
We talked about deals. We talked about deals happening for the grand opening. I just got a phone call. I just uh, got the freight arranged. They're picking it up tomorrow. You heard that phone call yeah. come in. Mm-hmm. The freight company wanted to, or the the warehouse wanted to make sure my trucking company was picking it up. I got a phone call. Twenty two power reclining love seats with console. Ooh, very nice. So you can put your drink in there, probably. Put your drink in there. The perfect couch potato if you want to watch football this football season. If you want to watch NBA during the NBA season, kick your, push a button, kick your feet up, tilt your head back, put your favorite beverage, which is always Diet Dr. Pepper. This sure. Is, this is sounding pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounds like uh, something I could get into. This is... Uh, Big company. Everybody's heard of Flex Steel. Flex Steel, the one of the furniture publications, which is an industry magazine uh, that talks to the industry. So people who own furniture stores subscribe to this magazine. Says it's the best upholstered furniture made, and it's called Flex Steel. Hmm. I got Flex Steel. 22. They're all the same, so it's not a variety. You have 50 to choose from. If you're looking for a deal on the best. They're about twenty two hundred bucks normally. I'm going to be eight ninety nine. Oh, you're kidding! But reclining what? and uh, with the console and wow, that's amazing. What kind of choices do people have for the upholstery part of it? One color and it's brown. Okay. But if you want to do a set, buy two of them. Oh, put them together. Eight ninety nine instead of twenty two. Ninety-nine. You buy two and you're still saving money. You buy two and you'll be at seventeen ninety-eight. Hmm. Cheaper than one. Yeah, by like four hundred bucks. And we're talking the very best quality. Wow. That's one of the deals that's on the way. They're picking it up tomorrow. Will be here Monday. I'll make it available. Anybody who wants one before the grand opening, come and see us at the Salt Lake store. I'll bring six of them here. I'll take sixteen to the new store. We'll take care of you. We also, Austin. The Austin special. I have 64 of them. <laughs> I got a whole truckload of these. There are 129 at the big boys. The Austin special is 39 bucks. Oh! 40 bucks. We're doing it again. Austin, you still haven't come to see me, and it's funny to tell you hurt my feelings. <laughs> I, uh, he deserved it, didn't he? What do you have to say to that, Austin? I name a special after you, and you still don't make time to just come say, hey, what's up, Tom? I, I, I need to remedy that. There's no excuse. I like it. An apology from Jake, an apology from Austin. <laughs> well, I didn't apologize. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. I did. Gordon, you, did that sound like an no, apology? No, no. It sounded like I need to make it up to you and get down there. That, well, you've got a truckload of Austin, and we've got a truckload of Austin. Wow. What does that More, even mean? It's getting deep. I don't even know what that means either. It's getting deep. Are you saying Austin is the size of a truck? No. Or are you no saying, what do you mean we've got a no. truckload of Austin? I just mean, you know. In volume, you know, you get no, Austin. You get Austin every day. <laughs> we okay. There, yes. oh, that makes more sense. Thank All you, right. Tom. Yeah, I was not. That was not. That was not a joke. Maybe not okay. after today. Austin's, it was not a joke. I see. Austin. Austin, I don't get enough of you. Come say <laughs> okay, hi. Tom. Uh, so we have we have lots of things happening. I've got. We had a guy come in. He's got a cabin. He's got a cabin. He needs uh, eleven mattresses. Um, 
the mattress, and we're going to do it again. Two ninety nine, the Sealy Premium. Oh yeah. They're eight ninety nine across the street. Two hundred ninety nine dollars. If you need a good mattress because you've been sleeping on a piece of crap and you're sick of not sleeping, for two hundred and ninety nine dollars, come take advantage of it. If you need a guest bedroom, good mattress. I mean, that that's that's kind of an oxymoron. Maybe you want a terrible mattress so they don't s- stay long. <laughs> I don't have that's any of the terrible. <laughs> I don't have any of the terrible. But if you want a good guest bedroom mattress, two hundred ninety nine. Then I have these twin mattresses. Everybody on the street. When I say the street, I'm talking Third West. It's kind of like Furniture Row. Yeah. You start down south and then you go north, and there's seven stores within about a five block place. This is the twin mattress everybody sells from one fifty nine to one ninety nine. Ninety nine bucks this weekend only. Wow. Ninety nine bucks. This is flippable, so it's two sided, perfect for bunk beds, perfect for uh cabins, perfect for any situation except an adult who wants a good mattress to sleep on every day. Don't buy it. I've got better for you. All right. Come and see us. 1967 South, 300 West, The Warehouse, Austin. Come see me. Boom. There you go. Come on down. We have some jazz gear uh, still for you, but it is going quick, so I suggest you get down here and take advantage of it. We'll have more. Big show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Riley Jensen joining us, College Football Insider. When you play the quarterback position, if you're not somewhat mentally tough, that position will chew you up. I don't think Tyler Huntley or Jordan Love or Jack Wilson are not up to the challenge. I think all three of them are high-quality quarterbacks for different reasons. Because I analyze quarterbacks and because I do those sorts of things, I can be a little bit nitpicky. But if you're just backing up to the 30,000-foot level, I mean, these are three high-quality quarterbacks in the state right now. In fact, I could argue that it's just three high-quality quarterbacks that we've had in a while in the city of Utah. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The best coverage of the Utah Jazz in the NBA is right here on The Big Show. Take it. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Big Show live from the warehouse. Ford Monson, Jake Scott, 1967 South, 300 West. Come grab some jazz gear. Take advantage of prices so low it will blow your mind. I want to remind you, if you're buying or selling a home, homie, We'll give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com. Big thanks to Josh Parcell, who joined us in the last segment, talking a little college football from a national perspective. He joined us on the Sprint special guest line, of course. Uh, Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Austin, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Josh in the last segment. What's more likely, Clemson losing a game or Gordon winning a wet T-shirt contest? Uh, Gordon, next question. <laughs> I pre- you, uh, you're I in good shape. The, yeah. I, I appreciate the, uh, the the compliment there, uh, Austin. Well, it'd take a truckload well, to get a, get to get us there, right? So, I meant your personality was big. Ah, 
you could see where he was a little confused. I was confused. Um, by, the, I, by the way, uh, apparently it's been announced that uh, Tropical Smoothie Cafe will be has been named the title sponsor of the Frisco Bowl. Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Yeah, in case anybody wondered. They fork over the 50 bucks to get that that sponsorship? (laughs) I suppose they did. That's pretty random. They dug down there deep. Can you imagine if uh, there was a Jake Scott Frisco Bowl? That would be awesome is what that would be. Would I get a a suite with the sponsorship? No, only uh, Larry Larry, uh, Scott would get that. Nailed it. Great Larry Scott joke right there. Uh, let, let me ask you about the – what did you think about his answer when I asked him about perception and about the perception nationally of the Pac-12? Because I asked him if it was fair. And he's an ACC country, so we use the ACC ex- as an example. And it's it's probably the ultimate example of this. But nobody's grilling the ACC. Yeah. And Clemson is awesome. They it's, are awesome. And that's the reason. And the rest of the league is average to below average. I mean, Syracuse was okay last year, and I, I follow the ACC. They're not it, – it's not very good right now. Are you lumping – I'm no, lumping Notre my Hokie. Dame? Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> lumping Notre Dame uh, in there as well. But the, the Pac-12 and the, the, the Pac-12 South uh, may not be particularly great, but the Pac-12 North is awesome. And there's at least, Gordon, what would you say, how many legit good teams in the Pac-12 right now? I mean, I'd say at uh, least four uh, in the north. Good. Good. That's being One, the operative word. probably two in the south. Yes. So at least man. five, probably okay. six. How many good teams are in the ACC right now off the top of your head? Now, realizing that I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here and you're not exactly, you know, covering the ACC football on a day-to-day basis, but just off the top of your head. I would say maybe four. And I think you'd be generous with that mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. I think so Syracuse what, is good. I think Clemson is great. And from there, I mean, Josh was really high on Miami, but that's a big if. Yeah. Florida State was a disaster last year. Yeah. A dis- absolute disaster. What uh, What? What specifically did Larry Scott say? Did he? How did he couch it? Count Larry Scott couch what? Uh, your question about uh, what did Josh say? Oh, I thought you said you talked no, to Larry no, no. Scott I, about that. Did I that. say Larry Scott? I meant Josh. Oh, okay. No, I was asking Josh that question. And Josh okay. said that having that top team is what matters. And I agree with him, but I don't necessarily think that's fair. No, I get it. And we've talked about this before. Uh, the Pac-12 is, 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 is a good, solid good. But they haven't had the great team, and that's what it seems like a lot of people are hanging the reputation of conferences on these days. I mean, nobody was complaining about the Pac-12 in the two, early 2000s because USC right. was doing USC things. Uh-huh. Go back and look at the rest of the league. It wasn't great. Yeah. How about when Oregon was uh, doing uh, good, really good things? There were probably that's on the tail end of USC doing their thing. So there was probably two, those two were there for a minute, but then, of course, USC has fallen off after Pete Carroll left. I'm, I'm somewhere in between. I mean, I understand the value. I understand the delineation you're making here. But I, I don't think the Pac-12 has really been quite up to snuff. Well, their bowl record a couple of years ago. Yeah, would, that didn't help. Would lend to that argument. No. So I, I don't know. But uh, they they do need to develop within their ranks a great team. Somebody somebody needs to step up. Maybe it'll be the Utes. 
If it were the Utes this year, that would be huge. Because you know how, as much as people glom on to the storied programs, when a newcomer, when, when, when a newcomer, I mean, Utah football has been a quality product for a long time now. But when someone from outside that group emerges, man, I'll tell you, in this day and age, they get a lot of attention. Now, the Utes would have to do something spectacular. They, I don't know if they have to go undefeated like Josh was saying. Would one, I, I, would one defeat get it done for them? I, I don't know. But that would be quite an opportunity uh, made good by the Utes if they were ended up being the torchbearer of the Pac-12. I mean, uh, if you had told us that nine, ten years ago as the Utes were first entering the conference, uh, I'm not sure we would have believed it. I know John Wilner would not have believed it. No, but there's still a lot of football to be played. I know, I know. If, I mean, we're talking about ifs here. I know, I got but, it. But the Utes have those kinds of athletes. I, I, Maybe I'm uh, buying in more than more than others, but I mean, I, I agree with Phil Steele. I think the Utes are really have the capability of being that good. PK and I disagree on this a little bit, and we talked about it on our podcast. Uh, it's not like he's down on the Utes, but he just thinks, you know, how he thinks about the Pac-12. Somebody always stumbles along the way. And I think this U team could be different. We're live from the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. We'll have the Knott Sports Port coming up right around the corner. But right now, let's get an update on the tour of Utah with world-famous Tony Parks. Ladies and gentlemen. Spanning the entire state of Utah. This is your tour of Utah Update. Let's go. Go. On the Zone Sports Network. A dramatic and bizarre day at Stage 3 of the Tour of Utah. Two crashes, the Peloton staying together for over an hour and then falling apart in the early moments of the final climb. It was down to Kyle Murphy and Lawson Craddock fighting against each other towards the end of Stage 3. Today, as it ended in North Salt Lake, they had about 10 riders on the chase behind them at about 20 seconds behind. That group was quickly whittled down to five as the climb was a grueling one. Then, with just over a half a mile to go and at the end of the final climb of the day, Ben Hermans put on a furious attack passing up everybody and was the quickest one to get to the final descent. He cruised to the finish line and goes back-to-back with stage victories yesterday and today. He'll hang on to the yellow jersey. Hermans was the winner in the Tour of Austria earlier this year. Kyle Murphy, second place finish. Nicholas Egg was in third. As for the overall GC now, James Piccoli is in second behind Hermans after finishing fifth today. Nicholas Egg is in third at a minute five down. Kyle Murphy's a buck 46 behind and in fourth, Peter Stetna is in fifth, just over two minutes back. Lawson Craddock now the leader of the sprint presented by the Utah Sports Commission. Alex Howes is at the top of the Utah Office of Tourism KOM. And Joel Almeida is your best young rider, brought to you by WCF Insurance. Kyle Murphy named the most aggressive rider, brought to you by the Larry H. Miller dealerships. And Travis McCabe is the America First fan favorite. Stage four tomorrow. We're going to be downtown as the riders will have eight circuits that finish right there in front of the Capitol building. Just under 54 miles, some tough climbing ahead, even though it's going to be a shorter course. The Big Show will be out there live tomorrow, so make sure you're a part of it. And for more on the tour, keep it right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This 
is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Ricky Rubio, I think, is in the bottom third or quarter of starting point guards in the NBA. Mike Conley is undoubtedly in the top half, likely top third, and we'll see just how good he can be with the Quinn Snyder system here with the Utah Jazz because he could start climbing those charts significantly. He'll now have quality shooting in the backcourt, quality playmaking in the backcourt, but now you put them all together. I'm curious to see what happens now. His team reached a ceiling, but have we see, seen him reach his ceiling? Yeah. I would say no. Mm-hmm. I would say there's a real chance that we will see the best play out of Mike Conley's entire career this next season. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. We are live at the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Come by. We still have uh, plenty of beast tickets for you. Hats are all gone, but we do have some jazz shirts as well. We'll reward you for dropping by, but really, drop by and check out these prices. But, Gordon, uh, where are we going today? We're going to uh, a list Provided by Ranker. Okay. .com. Okay. So what I have in front of me are is a list of 17 celebrities who were banned at one time or another from appearing on Saturday Night Live. There's been that many. 17. Do, do we know why or are they, we just know I have, they were banned? Well, there was uh, some of them uh tried to dominate and take over the show some of them uh said inappropriate things on the show uh a certain band happened to hang american flags upside down oh, when, okay. when there was a presidential candidate on the show uh but it's some, something they did on the show yeah yeah usually okay. all right uh so well let me give you the list all right all right frank zappa wow elvis costello hmm Andy Kaufman. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. He wasn't. His banning, I don't think, was from the producers. I think it was from the fans who were upset at him for his quirky humor. I don't know how he that did worked. a lot of controversial things. Yeah. Chevy Chevy Chase was was, was banned at o- one point over a short period. Yeah. Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, she was she was controversial. Remember what she did. Was that the the, the Bible pro- thing? The protest against the Catholic Church. Yeah. Didn't she rip a picture of the Pope? Uh, Is that what it was? Yeah, I knew it was something like lines. that. Milton Burl. Milton Burl. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, you old timers out there will recognize that name. Here's a name I don't know. Maybe I'd recognize her, but Louise Lasser. I don't know if She's I know. She's an her. actor. I don't know. David Bowie. Real? Okay, Bowie could be controversial. I could see that. All right. I think his had something to do with uh, he was performing a song or he wanted to perform a song and there was a, a mix-up between the producers and him. and he uh, Robert Blake. And it's not because he was later uh, charged with murdering his wife. This He was just 
seen as kind of a jerk. Well, I would hope after the whole murder thing, I'd, yeah. you know, his run on SNL would be over. Yeah. Adrian Brody. Well, that one surprises me. Yeah, banned for one thing or another. Steve, Steven Seagal was banned. I think uh, Lauren Michaels called him. It was either Lauren or somebody else on the show called him the biggest jerk ever to appear on the show. <laughs> he got banned for his, his behavior and treatment of people. That's funny. Martin Lawrence. Wow. Who else? R- Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, that's probably not a surprise. The Replacements. Okay. Apparently, they were violating the show's alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, oh, they got a little loose behind the <laughs> behind the scenes. Okay. Charles Grodin. <laughs> How does Charles Grodin get know. banned? I don't know what he did wrong. And then Cypress Hill and Fear. The Cypress Hill one, probably language. I don't know. I mean, I see. I, I would I would expect Saturday Night Live folks to be you know fairly. Uh, you know, bendable their boundaries a little bit, but these folks all decided to take a route outside those boundaries and got themselves in trouble. I got to admit, I'm a little surprised. They're usually shows like that, you know, are a little, a little more liberal on the, on the the freedom to express oneself. I don't know if Adrian Brody was the one, but one of the actors did try to take over the show. Hmm. Just try to take over. Maybe that was Charles Grodin. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay, it's my show now. I'm going to do what I want. I think Brody had some problems with uh, uh, being disagreeable about the skits that were being practiced and, and oh. then sort of messed things up. Says here Burl tried to make the production about himself. Grodin, they just d- decided he was no good and decided he was <laughs> oh, so bad just, he just, couldn't come back. <laughs> what did Cypress Hill and what did Fear do? Uh, I'll have to look those up. Oh, all right. Anyway, there you have it. Are wow. you a big Saturday Night Live fan? I'm admittedly not. I have been. It's really weird. That's one of those shows through the years where sometimes I liked it and sometimes I I, I didn't really make it a priority to see it. And so there were times when it was like can't miss, and then other times when I missed it all the time. By the way, I watched last night for the first time in years an episode of All in the Family. I don't know if I've ever seen an episode of All in the Family. That that doesn't speak to you, Jake, but for those of us who were alive at that particular time, that show absolutely dominated the ratings dominated the ratings and as i'm watching the show and it probably doesn't mean anything to you but to our listeners tell me if this resonates with you archie his his personality was a little bit like pk now not the racist uh, comments and some of the see because he was he was who utilized. are you comparing pk to here he's just kind of grumpy he's kind of a grumpy character Okay. Tough to please. Okay. okay. Uh, but it was a compliment. That sounds like it. But Archie also had these other elements to him. That Who was a producer of that show, Tom? Was that Norman Lear? I don't know. Who, who, whatever. Whoever it was. It was somebody. Uh, they used it. So that Archie's character was was this kind of blue-collar, tough guy and with some racist tendencies uh, and some uh, uh, sort of uh, weird uh, conservatism. But 
they used him so that the liberals could all laugh at him and his stupidity and the more conservative people could could say hell yeah to Archie I'm really uncomfortable with this entire conversation. Why? It was the show dominated TV for a long, long time. Uh, yeah, it's more your comparison to PK. No, I, I just meant his grouchy, his grouchy demeanor. PK's one of my best friends. I know. I, but he, he, I'm just uncomfortable uh, with this. No, whole thing. his grouchiness is his charm. Okay. That's one of his best qualities. Okay, yeah. It's not the grouchiness. Wait, wait, who do you want? Do you want Mr. Sunshine around you blowing the sunshine here, there, and everywhere, just talking all happy all the time? Or do you want somebody who tells it like it really no, no, is? No, no, Lo- Love PK. Yeah. <laughs> what are you getting all just weird about? Just uncomfortable with the whole thing. Austin? Uh, I'm very uncomfortable, yes. All right. There you go. We're live at the warehouse. A minute in the That's post. exactly what Archie Bunker did, made everybody uncomfortable. And if you've never seen the show. <laughs> That's what, that was his role? You know, Tom, that is that really weird to talk about a show? He doesn't even his, know who that, that show That was his Norman, dominant. Norman that Lear was. was the producer. And, and, and it was just, I mean, everybody watched that show, and it was a part of the, the was, pop culture. And, and, and my good friend Jake here has no clue what we're are. talking about. You know M.A.S.H., I do know MASH. It was as big or bigger than MASH. Okay. Anyway. All right. Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. Did you love the Eddie Murphy years? That is that when you loved it? I did watch during that time. Did you love it, though? Uh, I liked it. Chevy Chase. To yeah. me, when you talk about it. That's what comes to mind. I love it. And then. Belushi and. Uh, love and those obviously. years. And then there was a period like I, I couldn't even watch it. And then there was a period again where I could watch it. So I, I, I'm on the same boat. Is there a bigger star maker out there than Lauren Michaels? I mean, that guy, how many dozens of stars has that guy discovered in Maybe made? Steven Spielberg. Yeah, maybe somebody like that. But, I mean, if you think of the names that have come off that show. Bill Murray. It's amazing. Oh, it yeah. is. Yeah. And it, it all comes from, or a lot of it comes from that second city there yeah. in Chicago, which uh, I've had the pleasure to see. A of all times. the guys who are on that show, I think Bill Murray is the one that I would most enjoy hanging out with. Oh, okay. I could see that. Or would you go, how about... Uh, Not Chevy Chase, that's for no. sure. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Bel- Belushi would have gotten a little crazy. Uh, Aykroyd? He seems like he'd be yeah. an interesting guy to hang yeah, out with, I think right? So. Uh-huh. For sure. Maybe even split a reclining love seat with. Who's the guy who did the church lady? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, nice transition there. I was trying to transition. You go <laughs> and back I just, to the, I just walked back right to the all skin. Over. Yeah, you did. Who would you like? Is that what you said? What? Who would you like to get in bed with? No, we're we're talking love about seat. the, the best love, love, love the best love seat in the biz right now, which is on super sale. Well, I thought you were talking about the deal that Tom was given fifteen ninety nine for for a, a an automated bed that, that normally costs you twelve thousand bucks. Well, we could talk about that too. Where, where do we want to go here? Tom? I'm going to get out of this quick. <laughs> I had a customer just call and said, "I heard your ad. I need a bed, but I need a queen." We haven't talked about queens today. Let's do it. We have, and if you drive the I-15 corridor, you've seen the billboards. Six ninety nine adjustable bed at the big boys, Serta mattress and adjustable base. Six ninety nine. I am four ninety nine. Every day with a substantially cheaper 
price and a substantially better mattress. Race head up with a memory foam mattress, four ninety nine. You can't do that, Tom. I can do whatever I want, Race. <laughs> <laughs> he just told you you can't. I can do whatever I want. That's one option. Then, if you want better, I have, and that's this one right here, head-up, foot-up, adjustable base with a good Sealy mattress for seven ninety nine. The base everywhere in town is going to be seven ninety nine. If you want the best, how about a Sealy hybrid or a Stearns and Foster with head-up, foot-up, massage, LED lights? LED lights? It's a rocket ship? Listen, this LED light business <laughs> is the greatest thing. So my wife turns on her light at night. It's under the bed. And so when diabetic has to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I don't trip over the elliptical. I don't trip over the inversion table. I can see. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. It also has on the remote a flashlight. Oh, that's so cool, So if too. I'm lost, I can find my way back home like E.T.? <laughs> Anyway, I can do that whole setup for twelve ninety nine. The base is seventeen ninety nine elsewhere. The mattress is twenty two ninety nine. Wow. How about twelve ninety nine for a hybrid with all of the bells and whistles adjustable bed? So we don't just have kings and cow kings, but we have everything. We are Utah's lowest price. Nobody is gonna touch my price on adjustable beds. And uh we're easy to find. 1967 South. Go ahead, Tom. Tom, are the adjustable beds as comfortable as the traditional beds as far as the quality of the mattress goes? Let, let me have you answer your own question. Have you ever put a knee a pillow under your knee to take a little pressure off your spine? No, I've never. I've done that. Think, yeah. A lot of people out there, I've done no. that. If you, if you, have you ever had like a sore back and you get up on your knees and kind of stretch your back out by opening up your sure. spine? You can adjust this bed. With your legs up and your back up to be open, your whole spine to take off any pressure you're feeling. It's adjustable that's almost infinite to fix your problem. So the, so the, uh, the, the adjustability of the bed uh, makes it, takes care of some of it, but the quality of the mattress is every bit as good as... Uh, in, Absolutely. Uh, okay. Most, the best mattresses made today are all made to work with an adjustable bed because adjustable beds change your life because you get a better night's sleep. Mm. In, like if you have a pressure point. I, I have diabetes, and if I don't elevate my feet every day, I have a problem. So I sleep with my feet up three inches every night, and I wake up, my feet are not swollen. Mm. Simple thing like that. I start with my head up, but then I when I'm wanting to go to sleep at 2 a.m. after going to the restroom, middle of the night. I make my head flat. My feet are still up. I can lay on my side. I can sleep on my back. I, it, it's everything that a normal bed has plus X, Y, Z, and ABC. Wow. Okay. Well, you hear it. It's a life changer. you got to check it out. And at these deals, I mean... That deal for fifteen ninety nine though, that came... Unbelievable. I mean, that, that's unlike anything you've ever done, isn't it? It's the best deal I've ever done. I've never done that less than seventeen ninety nine, and at seventeen ninety nine, it's insane. Fifteen ninety nine, it 
I I should be committed. <laughs> well, we've said that a lot. Tom's back, haven't we? <laughs> Come take advantage of Tom's craziness. 1967 South, 300 West. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Thank you, Tom. We'll have more coming up next on the big show. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.